Why, hello. It's Chappie, your British butler. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode 110. And you're very welcome on a wonderfully hot and sultry late summer's day here in Colorado. The sun is shining, the mercury is rising, and uh, it's good to be indoors. It's always good to get out early for a little bit of an early morning jaunt with the hounds. You know, when it's about 65, 70, that's lovely. Panama still prominent, uh, still sweating. Uh, that's that's a, an issue that I cannot uh, seem to uh, get by. Um, but I was thinking, as I'm moving away from Chappie Towers soon, downsizing to a smaller Chappie Towers, just one turret rather than three. And um, I was just thinking, I, I've done this walk, I don't know, maybe hundreds of times over the last four, four and a half years or so. And I'm going to miss this walk. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to go on the walk now and again. I'm not too far away, whatever. But it is something very therapeutic about a walk. So it settles you down. It's like some old-fashioned stomach salts that settles everything down in the morning. I mean, a morning walk, and, and sometimes a dusk walk, as the sun sets over the yard arm, that's also wonderful. But the morning walk sort of gets your constitutions uh, leveled for the day, so to speak. And uh, that's what I absolutely love about it. So it's, it's gonna, I'm going to miss it. You know, the babbling brook, the creek, the little waterfall that cascades, as I mentioned on my, uh, on my video and Instagram. And thank you for all the people who are either new listeners or people who viewed my uh, my little uh, monologue, I guess, uh, last week when I sort of revealed, it's like the beast revealing themselves in Beauty and the Beast. But in my case, you know, the beast reveals themselves in Beauty and the Beast and it's actually a handsome prince. When the beast reveals itself, in my sense, it's probably more of an obscene beast than, uh, than, than the actual beast. Um, but anyway, it, it, I let you peek around the curtain and you saw Chappie in all of his, uh, all of his finery and glory. <laughs> There's a glistening dew on the hair because it means it's starting to rain at that point. But today there is no chance of rain whatsoever. And it's, it's, it's lovely to have the sun on your back. But I tell you something, if you're packing things up, uh, whilst in the uh, in the garage, in the garage, then um, it's, I mean even in the evening, the temperature is probably like 90, 100 degrees in an enclosed garage, with you know two trash cans with uh, decaying waste, old boxes, dust, everything. I mean I was I was sweating like uh, the proverbial sow uh, earlier this week, but you know what? It's so. It's so lovely to find some old pictures. You know, when the times when you had one and a half chins instead of three. And you celebrated the fact of it. You know, there's a picture of me eating olives on a balcony in Chicago. When have I ever eaten olives with a cocktail stick? I mean, these days that would probably be a pizza or something. There I was, nibbling at olives on a, on a, on a uh, balcony in Chicago. Uh... With, uh, with your dear friend Weasel Uncle Jim and uh, Chimpy Delaney. 
they were the days. Them were the days, I tell you. And then uh, the old man having uh, having luscious dark locks. He's added a bit of boot polish to them back in the day, but he had jet black hair. I mean, as I said to him the other day, as soon as I left the United Kingdom and moved to America, his hair started going grey. I think he missed me terribly, and so the locks started turning grey, and he sort of became the silver fox that he is today. But um, it was lovely going through some of these boxes. I found a lovely... Uh, letter written by my dearest uh, grandma Vera and I don't know what it is older people write in such a delightful way I mean they tell a story um, you know obviously when you get a bit older there's not so much going on in your lives or not as much maybe back in the day but she painted a picture of that day and uh, as my sister said I can imagine her writing this I can imagine having a very strong cup of tea and a slice of that wonderful Danish orange cake that she used to make. And I mean, thinking about tea, I, I'm, I'm, this, is a, this is the podcast of two halves. So we have the, uh, the, this introductory piece where I waffle on and ramble on. Um, and this is between the cricket tea. So at the moment, they're eating cucumber sandwiches in the uh, test match, England against New Zealand, Trent Bridge and Nottingham in, in England. So I thought, you know what, I'll start my little monologue, my little waffly piece, as I like to call it, at the beginning of the, uh, of the podcast, in between tea. Then I'll, then I'll enjoy a little bit more cricket, you know, and I can multitask, I can work, I can polish the brass, I can uh, get at any of the nasty stains out of any, any of the white shirts that I have. I mean, I can, I can, I can actually multitask, nobody would believe it. But at the moment, maybe the crusts are cut off. Maybe they're eating cucumber sandwiches. It's a perfect day for cucumber and smoked salmon, I think, today. Cucumber and smoked salmon would might be my go-to sandwich with a little bit of a sliver of maybe cream cheese. Mmm. So at the moment, it's very bright here in Colorado, in Denver. But we apparently have one of the most... I think amongst the top five most polluted cities in the world. I mean, this is a around the levels of Shanghai, Mumbai, Chennai, um, some of the more polluted cities in the world. And you know what? The the solution to when you've got a smoky city like this is, uh, you know, you can do the gator, but a little bit of a uh, ascot or cravat pulled over the mouth or just a silk handkerchief. You know, the polka dot handkerchief pulled over the nose. Uh, it gives you an elegant way of breathing and escaping the, uh, the Colorado smog that we have. With the right in the center here and, and, and smokes blowing in from wildfires from the West Coast, uh, Northwest, Pacific Northwest, all over. And it's absolutely, it can, it can be hideous. It's back, it's almost like the days of Jack the Ripper. I almost uh, can hear... A uh, horse and cart pulling through the smog. A man with a, a top hat on, with the mask covering his face, and uh, much uncertainty and goriness to come. It reminds me a little bit of uh, of that, or uh, or going across the uh, your tumnal uh, mist and dew and bogginess of the moor in the Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle. That's what it's like sometimes. 
and then you get the most brilliant red sun. So you're going through probably some of the worst pollution, ozone. And then at the end of the day, you have a scarlet, it's almost like a blood orange sun at the end of the day. So welcome to the show. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And uh, it's your dear Chappie, at, uh, hosting from Chappie Towers, old Chappie Towers. Uh, oldie, yeah, oldie Chappie Towers, as, as it should be in a sort of quaint, smog-filled world. Um, but some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today uh, is my fear of foot rot. My fear of foot rot. Um, also, why run when you have a knee brace on? Uh, my favorite th- uh, three Fs. So uh, we've got one, one's fan and uh, th- I've got two more that I'm going to throw in that I uh, think about during uh, the course of the week. Ever had a pocket blowout? Have you ever not been able to turn off the subtitles? Dregs of tea. Uh, also, things I find, <laughs> items that I found in my boxes as I'm going through them. Also, what's this about viral frozen honey? I also found a little book as well that might be my go-to ethos, my Bible, when it comes to uh, how I should pursue my life. We'll be talking about that later as well. Uh, also, lots of people running around with no shirt. Uh, gentlemen, in this case. Uh, also, bearded dicks on bikes. Um, it takes a special kind of guts to live to 100. Northern accents will sound like southern in 50 years uh, in the UK. Uh, also, Lint wins trademark victory over... Uh, there's a golden bunny chocolate fight that's going on between Lint and, uh, uh, and also Heilemann, uh, I believe, in, uh, in Switzerland. Um, we rarely bathe our children, says Ashton and uh, Mila Kunis. Uh, Thatcher's Britain will disappear in 20 years. They're, they're not talking about the former prime minister. They're talking about the thatched roofs that you have, especially in uh, East Anglia, where I come from in the UK. A lot of thatched roofs, uh, a lot of uh, obviously harvested from the marshes and uh, put on top of the roofs there as well. Um, why the Queen never uses her last name. There's no PDA in front of the Queen as well. I mean, a lot of royal family talk as well. Obviously, Meghan Markle reached 40 as well. Uh, you know, first 40 years for Miss Markle, the, the, the Duchess of Sussex. But we won't, you know, we're not going to delve into that today. You know, we're not going to talk about Meghan or hissy fits or um, throwing the toys out of the pram or anything like that today. We, won't, we definitely won't do that as well. And I also found something that looks absolutely fantastic. The AI elves, the artificial intelligent elves that watch every move, gave me a new invention that could, could cure my, uh, my, sweaty, my sweaty issue. I have a lot of head sweat. A lot of head sweat going on. Um, I don't sweat anywhere else particularly, rather luckily, but I, the head sweat and the neck sweat it is a little bit embarrassing. And I, and I did think about wearing the old John McEnroe uh, sweatbands over my head that's maybe something that i'll possibly have to invest in as well also um i was on the bbc website bbc sounds where you can listen to music and radio whatever and um uh, it was uh listing a jamie cullen song but when i clicked on the jamie cullen song to add it to my playlist i had a uh, a song a german from an old german drinking song uh called glockenglaut 
um, instead of Jamie's song. So that was rather interesting as well. So there we go. Uh, Trumple trombone as well. We have an enigmatic English prime minister, British prime minister. Uh, but my friend told me she wouldn't eat beef tongue because it comes out of a cow's mouth. So I gave her an egg. It really does help when there's a little bit of rain stop play in the cricket. So I can, you know, I can do a podcast. A little bit of rain falling onto the wicket allows me to uh, fulfill my obligation to you, the listener, recording a podcast. So anyway, I uh, during the week, during the last few months, the grass is sodden when I go for a walk. Um, Lots of sprinkler action. There's been a lot of rain as well. Uh, but I do wear the uh, do do the Sperry boat shoes, no socks, from May till September. You know, I don't believe in the whole uh, white uh, after Labor Day thing. Not being able to wear white after Labor Day—that's nonsense. I wear white all year round. But I do like the uh, the boat shoes. They're suede, uh, a little bit like Elvis blue suede shoes, but these are a delicious calf brown color. And talking of calves, I, I, I've been a little worried because they get sodden and soaked every day for about four or five months, my feet. And I'm a little concerned that, uh, that I might get foot rot. I mean, and, and, and the concern is probably my hypochondria, uh, but uh, can humans get foot rot? Because basically, you know, a lot of people live by the coast and wear the old boat shoes every day and live their lives in soaking wet uh, shoes but I my, my concern and fear is can you get foot rot so I started doing a little bit of research you know but I, I couldn't go on to WebMD I had to go on to uh, the bovine equivalent of, uh, of WebMD and there was a whole article discussing the difference between foot rot and foot scald and how to prevent and treat it so I thought I'd have a look at this here I mean, many, many, many would probably think that I do have the cloven hoof. But foot rot is arguably the costliest disease in the sheep and goat industry. Desperately looking for a reference to humans here. In high rainfall areas. Well, it has been a lot of rain, 30 inches a year. That's, you know, that's quite a lot of, uh, that's quite a lot of rain, to say the least. Um, and has contributed greatly to the view that sheep and goat production are labor intensive. Animals become severely lame when infected. I mean, this is my worry. And cannot graze easily. I I do need to graze fairly often. At least three meals a day. And maybe supper. These results in poor growth, poor conception. And greatly increased risk of metabolic diseases. Such as pregnancy toxemia. Well, yeah. I mean, after a rather large burrito. I could have pregnancy toxemia potentially. Foot rot uh, free status provides producers options to sell replacements. Breeding stock for high value. I think I could be an excellent breeding stock option, um, but probably not with a foot rot. Uh, foot rot, foot abs- abscesses, and foot scold are interrelated but different conditions. The, there's a schematic here. So moisture and trauma, softening damage to the hoof or hoof, keratin or uh, interdigital skin, invasion by uh, actomyces, pyrogenes, and other anaerobes hmm I wonder what that means that means you get a foot abscess basically but then you get an invasion of uh, Fusobacterium uh, nectarforum or another facilitator and that equals foot scold benign foot rot and virulent foot rot so foot scold typically presents as a red irritated skin 
in the interdigital area between the toes. I, I get that. Oh my gosh. Foot rot scold refers to both a disease and a clinical symptom. Uh, but it's also confusing. Foot scold is a disease refers to uh, infection of the foot and soil-borne bacteria. So, you know, do, does a discolored nail count? I mean, maybe I have a fungal nail and it's not foot rot. Virulent strains invade hoof tissues extensively. Again, I don't know, you know, if, I, if, if people would describe me with the cloven hoof. Whereas uh, benign strains present as a foot scold symptom and generally result in extensive invasion of the soft keratin of the hoof. I'm just looking at my hoof at the moment and I don't know where the soft keratin is. I mean, is it the hard skin on the foot? Is that the soft? Well, it doesn't feel very hard. Oh, anyway, it's all, it's, all very, um, it's all very worrying here. But the first line of defense against foot rot is a rigid biosecurity protocol that calls isolation and foot soaking of new arrivals in a saturated zinc sulfate solution. So I just need to go and soak my feet every day, basically. I mean, I could, I could still record a podcast while soaking my feet. No problems. Over the coming weeks, uh, between now and September, we have a little bit of a look at cricket. So cricket is an eccentric game. We love eccentricity and keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And uh, this is an American wrote this piece here. So to the uninitiated, cricket can seem both boring and confusing. So why does it take days to play? What kind of sport stops so the players can have tea? A civilized sport. Hello. Is just a less version, a fun version of baseball. Oh, that's uh, that's bullshine. Uh, that is absolute bullshine. But cricket is one of the world's most popular sports. Basically, if England colonized a place that the country is now mad about cricket, with the exception of the US. I mean, they're just uh, just bullheaded. They don't want to take on cricket because because it's the tea factor. I don't I don't think they have the patience to stop for afternoon tea. But even if the rules seem unintelligible and the pace too slow, again, nonsense. And the whole thing is extremely polite. Crickets have actually managed to have some very interesting moments. While the excitement of some matches involved actually knowing what's going on, uh, even a cricket novice can enjoy monkeys invading a pitch, players running off the field but they desperately need to poop, or soldiers playing in the middle of war. And Babe Ruth did give cricket a try. So over the coming weeks, we'll be looking at uh, some of these factors of cricket and trying to explain cricket uh, based around a Purdue University paper. A Purdue University paper talked about cricket and uh, and gave us a basis so that's what we're going to be looking at it's a great game put on your whites have a slice of cake have a cucumber sandwich and enjoy the game so we have a little bit of an introduction to cricket here so we have the basics so cricket is a team sport for two teams of 11 players each a formal game of cricket can last anything from an afternoon to five days Although the gameplay and the rules are very different, the basic concept of cricket is similar to that of baseball. Teams have successive innings and attempt to score runs, while the opposing team fields and attempts to bring an end to the batting team's innings. After each team has batted an equal number of innings, either one or two depending on the conditions chosen before the game, the team with the most runs wins. In cricket speak, the word innings is used for both the plural and singular inning, as used only in baseball. And we have some of the equipment here. We have the cricket ball. Hard cork and string ball covered with leather, a bit like a baseball in size and hardness. But the leather covering is thicker and joined in two hemispheres. Not in a tennis ball pattern. The seam is therefore like an equator 
and the stitching is raised slightly. Circumference between 224 and 229 millimeters, that's 8.81 to nine inches. And the ball weighs between 156 and 163 grams, that's about six ounces. And the traditionally the ball is dyed red with the stitching left white. And there are white balls that are used for visibility in games playing at night. Then you have the uh, cricket bat, blade made of willow, flat on one side, humped on the other for strength, attached to a sturdy cane handle, about 4.25 inches, 38 inches in total. Wickets. These are two wickets, wooden structures made of a set of three stumps, topped by a pair of bales. The stumps, three wooden posts, 25 milliliters, one inch in diameter, and about 32 inches high. They have spikes extending to the bottoms and are hammered into the ground and evenly spaced with a couple of edges on the outermost stumps. This means they're close enough together that a cricket ball cannot pass between them. And then the bales, two wooden cross pieces sitting around grooves at the top of the pair of stumps. You have the protective gear, pads, gloves, helmet, and then you need uh, the, the box or the cup to protect the crown jewels from that very hard ball crashing in to the uh, into the girth you don't want that happening uh, leather shoes and the clothing long trousers shirt I wasn't gonna say pants long or short sleeve possibly sleeveless uh, woolen pullover cable knit in cold weather the games played with a red ball and clothing must be white or cream with a white ball players wear uniforms in solid team colors add a hat or cap to keep the Sun off there are no regulations regarding identifying marks or numbers on the clothing Leveron, Willow and White's man. There's a lot of running in the week. A lot of running. Not your dear host. I wasn't running. I, I do a fast walk where my uh, bum wiggles like a corgi. You know, get the hips and bum moving. Uh, gives you ex burns extra calories uh, when, it when you come to look at your Apple Watch. But uh, saw a lot of runners this week. And I was thinking, some poor lady was running along with a knee brace. Now, why are you running at all when you have a knee brace on? It looked very uncomfortable, very restrictive, and she obviously has an injured leg. So why are you insanely running when you have an injured leg? I mean, I would be having my uh, foot up, nice cup of tea, maybe some porridge, I think, if I, if I was in the same condition here. Um, and also, we have the situation where there are runners, a lot of, you know, well-toned, Male runners with no shirts on. Posers, basically. Now, why are you showing me your marvellous body? Why are you showing me your six-pack? Why are you making me jealous of the situation? I mean, you're all sweaty and glistening and everything else. Why are you showing me this? It, it gives, it's going to send me into, give me some sort of moratorium where I have to go and see a therapist about my six-pack, but the six rolls of fat that I have where I could store all sorts of uh, running essentials. You know, I could probably fit my phone between there. Uh, maybe uh, an ear pod as well. Maybe a granola snack. Don't know if I could fit a water bottle between there. That might be too much of a, too much of a hassle. But, you know, there's guys here running along. Some of them, not only with the shirt off, but they have a basic EKG going on on their chest. They're like they're measuring their heart rate with wires, I guess attached to their phone measuring their heart rate seeing how fast they're going I mean I have a I have the watch on to make sure I'm not going to have some sort of uh, EK, you know EKG situation where I'm not having some sort of fibrillation type of situation with having a heart attack that's why I measure it I'm not measuring 
to get my performance best, get my uh, heart rate up to 180 BPMs or something along those lines. I'm doing it to save myself, potentially. But there we go. Uh, people in knee braces and, uh, and uh, bros running along with no shirts on measuring their heart rates. That has been the, uh, the essence of my week. But if I put that all out of my mind, I have found the perfect sleep sensation, the perfect sleep method. I was talking about the fluffy unicorn pillow last week. That's still included. But I found for perfect slumber, for perfect sleep, the you've got the triple F threat here. Triple, triple F threat. Now, what do you think it would be? Now, there's no naughtiness. There's no uh, carnal hanky-panky going on here, although that may help you sleep. But we have the fan. Not my number one fan or my only fan on the podcast, but a fan blowing on yourself, keeping you cool. The fetal position, essential for me when I sleep. So I'm sleeping in the fetal position and fluffy. So you've got fan, fetal, fluffy. That's the triple F sleep threat if you want perfect night's kip. So we now have the five British royal perks we're most jealous of. Uh, from Prince Charles toothpaste squeezing to the Queen having somebody wear in her new shoes. So Prince George gets to enjoy an epic playhouse gifted to the Queen Elizabeth in 1932, while Prince Charles has to help with everybody from ironing to toothbrushing. If the idea of being awoken by your shrill iPhone alarm isn't appealing, envy the Queen who's woken up by bagpipers playing outside of window every morning at 9am. I think that's that sounds like a fate worse than death almost. So we're all aware that the British Queen... Uh, is no longer an absolute monarch, but she and her family uh, still uh, boast plenty of power at home and enjoy the right to make some extraordinary requests. Uh, and here are some of the most outrageous perks. Um, so why the queen never has blisters. The queen, that uh, the shoes that she has on her feet, throughout almost every royal engagement she has, she has never seen limping as a result of blisters from her new kicks. This is because she has somebody break in her shoes before she takes them on walkabout. One person who had the honor of walking in the Queen's shoes is her personal assistant and senior dresser, Angela Kelly, who wrote the book, The Other Side of the Coin. The Queen, the dresser, and the wardrobe. And there's been reported to uh, a lot of press, a flunky wears in Her Majesty's shoes to ensure that they're comfortable and they're always good to go. And yes, they're called a flunky. Uh, So we also have royal children get some fabulous perks too like a two-story playhouse, which is on the grounds of the Royal Lodge in Windsor. It's an uh, it's absolutely adorable, uh, semi-detached uh, playhouse, two-thirds scale thatched cottage uh, that was gifted to the Queen on her sixth birthday. Now lucky Prince George has a beautiful, downsized, semi-detached cottage. Prince Charles had a personal toothpaste squeezer You know how putting toothpaste on a brush takes a huge chunk of the day? Not so much. Well, according to an interview with uh, Prince Diana's former butler, Paul Burrell, Prince Charles shaved seconds off the time it took to get ready in the morning by having one of his three valets squeeze an inch of toothpaste onto the brush for him. According to the report in the Reader's Digest, Michael Fawcett, one of his valets, uh, would squeeze toothpaste onto the brush every night. Burrell also dished out that the Prince of Wales had his pyjamas and his shoelaces iron for him each morning. Who needs an alarm clock when you've got bagpipes? The rest of us use our phones and pray that we get off at the right time in the next morning, but not if you're a Windsor. There's actually a position in the royal household called the Piper to the Sovereign, 
which existed since 1843 and is occupied uh, by Paul Burns of the Royal Regiment of Scotland. Uh, so basically, the piper must play the bagpipes every day at 9am under the Queen's window when she's at residence at Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, Balmoral or Holyrood House in Scotland. What a way to wake up and it'll probably give you an all-day migraine. Have you ever had a pocket blowout? Well, I've had two in the space of about a month now. Both on the left-hand side, where my pocket's worn so thin, and I'm not keeping loose change or anything. You know, I don't, I don't carry cash around anymore, darling. Um, but two pockets in the space of like a month have gone threadbare and have fallen through. And that's not even the side that I have my keys on. So I'm thinking, what is wearing? I mean, there's no nefarious activities. I'm not like sticking my hand in my pocket and having a jiggle around or anything like that. So there's none of that going on. But two pockets on the left-hand side, very creepily, have been uh, worn out in the space of the month. And, you know, I don't think you can darn pockets. You can darn holes in socks. But I'm wondering if there are any pocket darners over around who could assist me in this awful situation where my pockets are blowing out and I'm losing stuff. So all of the pocket darners out there in the whole wide world, get in touch, Chappy Towers, and I will, uh, I will get back to you with my pocket ailments. So hats off to Test Match Special. I, they, they were talking about this in the week. So was Margaret Thatcher part of the team that invented Mr. Whippy? Now, this has nothing to do with Mr. Whiplash or any of the uh, MPs uh, that uh, were found with oranges in their mouths and whiplashes on their backs or anything along those lines. Uh, but uh, Margaret Thatcher, was she part of the team that created Mr. Whippy? Very little connection to Margaret Thatcher's legacy comes without an argument. The claim by the Bishop of London in the funeral address that the former scientist was part of the cream that invented Mr. Whippy is no exception. The new scientist reported in July 1983 as Thatcher was elected a fellow of the Royal Society of Body of Scientists, she had worked on developing emulsions and emulsifiers for the ice creams for Joe Lyons. The Washington Post, in the wake of her death, claimed that she helped invent the ice cream as we know it, adding that her efforts as part of the Lions team to create the cheap, airy ice cream was one aspect of Margaret Thatcher's legacy that we can all feel good about. Mr. Whippy's soft-style ice cream originated in the US about a decade before Thatcher worked at Jay Lyons, it reports. When the soft serve arrived in the UK, Jay Lyons was indeed at the forefront, and it teamed up with the US ice cream maker and behemoth Mr. Softy and uh, operated franchises under that name. I don't think I'd ever call a company Mr. Softy. Not something you want to be called, I don't think. Uh, Thatcher was a food research scientist at J. Lyons, but as the Royal Society uh, article noted in May 2011, the details of her work are very sketchy. She reportedly worked on the quality of cake and pie fillings as well as ice cream and also helped with soap making. The article reports that uh, an oft-told anecdote in British circles associates Thatcher with the invention of soft ice cream, which added that uh, air lower, uh, lowered quality and raised profits. Lyons certainly worked out on this new product, but there's no firm evidence that Thatcher directly assisted them in this invention. And incidentally, Thatcher didn't invent the Cadbury, uh, invent the Cadbury's flake either. So luxury campsites are a boring mess, say not so happy glampers. 
Guests at a boutique glamping site have claimed they've been misled after finding that the holiday sites were more Chernobyl and less Champagnat. Uh, Cloud9 Glamping promises its customers the ultimate family escape at Luxury Five Star uh, in Dorset, Norfolk and the Cotswolds in the UK and are open for six weeks over the summer holidays. But Rob Knights, who works for the NHS, said he was left feeling totally misled after he paid nearly £1,000 to stay at the Norfolk site for four nights. They sold you a dream and it didn't come true. There were no bespoke cocktails. The food offerings consisted of a fish and chip van and overpriced macaroni and cheese. It was £6.50 for a pint of beer and you wouldn't even pay that in a five-star hotel, let alone a field. There's no zip wire or fairground and there was a sink for people to do all their own washing up. And Simon Wilson said at the Cotswold site is more Chernobyl than Champagny. Uh, some families are taking one look and seeing it uh, and it's not anything like on the website. There's nothing to do and they spend all day off site. It's like the Mary Celeste. Maddie Hill, who uh, visited with her daughter, said, We visited last week. Worst experience of my life. We ended up leaving up two days and booking into a hotel. The site was ridiculously overpriced. We promised free activities and the kids' entertainment. But there was nothing apart from a pop-up climbing frame and trampolines that could have been bought from Costco. Other disappointed guests left poor reviews saying, Think about hygiene showers. They weren't cleaned all week. Uh, Cloud9 said that we created a perfect balance of outdoor family adventures and proper spoil yourself relaxation created for families um, by families. And you can find endless activities and escapades. It promises kayaking, arts, crafts, horse riding, yoga and gin tasting. Maybe you need a, a dash of the gin after staying there. Uh, but they also acknowledge that there's been a number of challenges in opening weeks that have impacted some of the guests on their holidays. Cloud9 is working to resolve these issues. You know what? I mean, that sounds absolutely awful anyway. Communal showers, peeping toms looking in there, cockroaches, you know, dirty showers, dirt and umska all around the showers. Uh, it really doesn't sound like my, my, you know, and then, and then sort of having to go to a toilet that's basically a hole in the ground. That's not glamping. I want a proper shower, proper soap, Wi-Fi, a nice mirror so I can comb my luscious locks, and uh, you know, and a, and a comfortable bed. I mean, even even glamping sounds absolutely god awful to me, and uh, and I think I would, uh, I think I'd rather stay at home than uh, stay and stay in that glamping site uh, without any shadow of a doubt. I mean, the thing I find the worst of all, though, is no privacy. It's the communal showers. It's everybody looking into your in, into your business, so to speak. I mean, I just can't handle that. That's why I like a hotel room with all four walls and nobody peering in and uh, casting an eye over what you're doing at every nook and cranny. Welcome along to Trample Trombone. So having unexpected guests at a funeral is quite common. Just like wedding crashes, these strangers turn up to the funerals of people they don't even know. The reason these funeral crashes go to random weights can vary, having some weird, wonderful reasons for crashing the day of mourning. For example, Teresa Doyle is a serial funeral crasher, and in the Metro a few years back, she made the headlines by uh, turning up at a stranger's wake, uh, enjoying the free buffet, and taking everything else she fancied home in a Tupperware. At the time, the neighbor said Teresa's been doing this for about 14 years now, but the bizarre thing is she gate crashes uh, people's funerals and is completely brash about it. When she comes to the funeral, she changes into somber clothes, goes to the wake, helps herself to the food, bring it back and putting it in her freezer. 
Hopefully there's no truth in the fact that the funeral attendees are using urns to carry all the funeral food home. Hmm. And uh, Dildo, a small township in the Canadian island of Newfoundland, has uh, found its imitation Hollywood sign since 2019. Their US chat show host Jimmy Kimmel made an honorary citizen of Dildo after featuring the unusually named town sign several times in his show. Also, the tiny community uh, honorary mayor erected the sign two years ago on a hillside overlooking the town. It's become something of a tourist attraction, and now locals are begging visitors not to get too close to the offbeat monument. In a post on the town's official Facebook account, local service district representative Andrew Pretty explains that uh, getting too close to the dildo sign could be dangerous. Uh, I guess pretty dangerous in, in his case. Uh, maybe these intrepid adventurers need to replace their lengthy selfie sticks with a girthy selfie dick. And a two-headed turtle has been held a very rare find by conservationists. The shock discovery was made by Esteco Beach State Park as a volunteer turtle watch team was carrying out a routine check on nests to help maintain their population and safely release the baby hatchlings into the ocean. It is one of the three live hatchlings found during a patrol month last year in South Carolina when volunteers dug up turtle nests three to five days after they emerged. While performing an inventory this past weekend, patrollers and volunteers found three alive loggerhead sea turtles still in the chamber, but one hatchling in particular stood out because it had two heads. Oh no, a double turtle's head. Gut-wrenching. We do love a life hack here on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, and a man has revealed the correct way to eat Nutella. So you can have a clean jar every time without washing any of the spread. He said that you should always get the Nutella from the center of the jar because it stops the leftover spread from drying and getting stuck to the sides. My girlfriend taught me this. I found it hard to believe at first, but it works every time, time and time again. If you only take the center of the jar, the thickness of the Nutella stuck to the glass will pull it down. This will cause the sides to be perfectly clean by the day. I suspect it is because the cohesion on the Nutella pulling down the remains and the thickness keeping the residue from drying out and sticking to the glass. The man said he was surprised her trick worked very well. No endless scratching to get the remains out of the end of the very bottom. This jar hack was uh, had more than 800 comments, with many saying they couldn't wait to give the trick a, a go. I just got a new jar of Nutella, and I'm pretty hyped to try this one, said one. I'm going to try this. I'm going to just put hot coffee in the jar and drink Nutella coffee. Another person said, my grandma puts Nutella in the fridge and no, no amount of scooping it from the middle will do any good. It's simply rock hard. Just don't keep it in the fridge. Others are revealed the jar hack actually works, but only in countries where Nutella is made with a softer and creamier, including parts of the UK and Belgium. Oh, the soft. Oh my gosh, the salt, the soft and the creamy. Every country has slightly different ingredients for Nutella due to food regulations and preferences, which makes US Nutella more creamy and more soft. I think I'm going to have to go and get some toast now and uh, slather it with uh, a little bit of the Nutella and try out the trick. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It's been lovely, lovely having you here on this Friday. 
and uh, there will be a podcast again tomorrow. So keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Episode 110 is brought to you by your dear host Chappie, and I've got my little producer. He's uh, he's I know he's a harsh one. I tell you, every 110 episodes, Jack the Rat Terrier is hidden under the covers, and he gives out snorts, growls, basically telling me what to do. Um, and he has been under everyone. He's a, he's a wonderful producer. He's a very harsh taskmaster, to say the least. Uh, but that's been the podcast. You can listen to it across many, many different platforms, uh, from uh, Apple Music to Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Again, I did actually listen. I Oliver turned off his uh, off his contraption that cuts the lawn, the lawnmower, the other day. And uh, as the, as the, the you know the scythes, the blades were gently purring and whirring and coming to a standstill, I could hear just during the purring of the blades, keep calm and cauliflower cheese emanating from the lawnmower. You can hear it literally anywhere. There's a musical edition also. If you like your music, we have some Frank Sinatra this week. We have uh, Footloose. Uh, we have uh, Space, Female of the Species, Paul McCartney, The Pretenders, uh, also uh, The Clash, a bit of Tom Jones, some classic Pointer Sisters, and always we sail away with some yacht rock to finish the show. And we close with a poem, Cricket is a Serious Thing, by Edward George Dyson. In politics there's a room for jest, with frequent jibes as speeches met, and measures which are the best are themes of caustic humour yet. And through the pulpiteer we threat, with sundry quiddities we fling, we pray you never forget that cricket is a serious thing. The crowd assembles at a test, and Hobbs at length is fairly set. Though Gregory rocks him with zest, the barrackers may fume and fret when Parkin is contrived to get. Five men of ours, we feel the sting, and give expression to regret, for cricket is a serious thing. They have the lead, we would arrest, a sort of rot, no epithet. Is proper though we have got our best for nothing, and your bet is as good as lost. Don't sit and sweat, due to reverence to the problem bring, we have a pile of runs, a cricket is a serious thing. Thank you for listening to the podcast, I will be back again tomorrow uh, for Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese 111, it's a half Nelson edition, and I'll see you then, cheerio.